Joshua chapter 22. Skipping a few chapters ahead. We've, if you want to go back and read the last few chapters that we skipped, it talks about the, the, the doling out of the, the land, the different inheritance, and we're going to talk about something that's going to kind of be reiterated a little bit tonight that I know we've talked about a couple of different occasions, uh, but then we're going to get to something that, that uh, a little... A little disagreement, uh, if you could call it that, uh, a little drama, I guess we could say, that's going to take place between these uh, different tribes of Israel now that they are in the promised land. So, uh, Joshua chapter 22, we're going to start in verse 9. I'll give you kind of a rundown of, of what happened in verse 22. I know you know it, or excuse me, at the beginning of chapter 22... I know that we've been over that in, in great detail, but I'll give you a rundown. Uh, then we'll start in verse 9, and we'll probably read through uh, all of the rest of the chapter. I know it's kind of a long bunch of texts, but we'll read through there so we can kind of understand what's going on in this story. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you now, and we thank you for these words tonight, and I pray that you would just uh, hide me behind the cross as I speak, dear Lord. I pray that... Uh, you just help me to lay down my pride tonight, God, that you would help me to be focused on you, that you'd speak through me to each each person that's here. Let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts, God. Help us to, to get some something good from this word tonight that we can apply it to our lives. And uh, God, I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, in, in, in Joshua chapter 22, we see something take place that we've discussed on a few different occasions. That is that uh, the nation of Israel was split in at least as far as the land uh, dividing goes. There were nine and a half tribes that were on the western side of the Jordan River and there were two and a half tribes that chose uh, for their land to be on the eastern side of the Jordan River and that's not part of the land that God desired for them to have but Moses allowed them to have that portion of land. That was already decided uh, before Moses had died. That was agreed upon that hey look, if these two and a half tribes, that is half the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Gad, and the tribe of Reuben, if they want to stay here, God said, let them stay there. And so the deal was that they had to go in and fight with the other nine and a half tribes. Once the land was conquered, they could go back to the east of the Jordan, and they could stay in the land that they wanted to stay in. And that's kind of pretty much what saying took place in the first part of chapter 22. That they had done their deed, they had helped their brothers fight, and they had gone or were going back to the eastern side of the Jordan River. And so they began, these two and a half tribes did, they began to make their way back to their portion of land. And that brings us up to where we are in verse 9. The Reubenites, Gadites... And half the tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh in the land of Canaan to return to their own land of Gilead, which they took possession of according to the Lord's command through Moses. When they came to the region of the Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh built a large, impressive altar there, by the Jordan. Alright, so they were still in the land of Canaan, which means they were still on the western side of the Jordan River. They were still in the portion of the land that the other nine and a half uh, tribes possessed. And as they were getting ready to go and cross the Jordan back to their portion of land, these two and a half tribes decided that they were going to build a large, impressive altar. 
okay? And we don't have any details here as to what this altar is for, uh, good or bad, either way or the other. But it says that they're going to build a large, impressive altar on the nine and a half tribe side of the Jordan River. Then the Israelites heard it. Now, when it says the Israelites, it's talking about the nine and a half there. Look, excuse me. Then the Israelites heard it said, Look, the Reubenites, Gadite, and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan at the region of the Jordan on the Israelite side. When the Israelites heard this, the entire Israelite community assembled at Shiloh to go to war against them. Now, as I was reading through that and kind of studying, when I first read through that, I was thinking, well, that seems kind of extreme, right? Because all that we see at this point that's happened is that these two and a half tribes have built an altar, but we don't know what far. And maybe the Israelites knew or didn't know, but as we're going to find out as we read a little further, they, they didn't really know either. They just made an assumption. And instead of trying to figure out what was going on, they got together and they said, well, we've got to go to war and destroy it. Now that seems kind of intense, right? They had just come into the promised land. We don't really see at this point that I know of any division among any of the people. And just this quickly, as the two and a half tribes split off to go back to their land, and they build this altar, the other nine and a half say, well, we gotta go, we gotta go to war against them. All right, so, so we're starting to see a big uh, a situation escalate among these, these two separate groups that have been uh, split into. The Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh in the land of, Gil- uh, of Gilead. They sent ten leaders with him, one family leader for each tribe of Israel. All of them were heads of their families among the clans of Israel. They went to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead and told them, This is what the Lord's entire community says. What is this treachery you have committed today against the God of Israel by turning away from the Lord and building an altar for yourselves so that you are in rebellion against the Lord today? Was it the sin of Peor which brought a plague on the Lord's community enough for us so that we have not cleansed ourselves from it even to this day? And now you would turn away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the entire community of Israel. So now we get a glimpse into what the problem is with the nine and a half, why they are getting ready to go to the war. They believe, they, they falsely assume that this, that this altar that the two and a half tribes have built on their land nonetheless, that they built not to worship God, but to worship some false god or some idol. And the Israelites were saying, we're not having any of it. This is our land. And you're going to come and you're going to take the Lord, the God of Israel, who has led us out and given us this land, and you are going to build an altar to a false God here. Don't you remember the things that God has has put certain situations through and what God has done to Israel and how there is punishment for when we do wrong against the Lord? And you are going to turn your back against the Lord. Now, the the... The stand that the, that the nine and a half took would have been a good stand if indeed the two and a half would have been turning from the Lord. Now I'll go ahead and tell you that's 
not the case. That was not what the two and a half were doing. And while the, 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 the nine and a half would have been right to act this way if that would have been the case, the problem is, I believe, they kind of jumped the gun a little bit. They, they kind of jumped the gun, and so they went and just immediately called them out and told them what was what. Let's read on a little further. But if the land you possess is defiled, cross over to the land the Lord uh, possesses where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take possession of it among us. But don't rebel against the Lord or against us by building for yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. So again, here we, here we have... Uh, here we have the nine and a half saying, look, if it's a problem with your land, then just come on and live in our land. Now, that's a pretty good deal right there. They were saying, look, if that's the problem, whatever it takes, if it takes you coming back over here to live with us, then come back over here and live with us. But by no means turn on the Lord. Now, what we see there from the nine and a half is what we talked about last week when we talked about David. That was a fear in the Lord. There was a fear that the nine and a half had because they knew the power of God. They knew about the wandering in the wilderness. They knew about God punishing them sometimes when they didn't do what they were supposed to. And so they feared the Lord. And that's what drove them to make sure that their other brothers, the other two and a half tribes, were not sinning against the Lord. So it was a healthy fear that was keeping them in check to make sure that they were not going to turn from the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 20, Wasn't Achan, son of Zerah, unfaithful regarding what was set apart for destruction, bringing wrath on the entire community of Israel? He was not the only one who perished because of his sin. Remember, we studied about Achan at the very beginning of the book of Joshua. And he took some things that he wasn't supposed to, that God said, don't take these things. And the next time that the Israelites went into battle of Ai, they ended up losing the battle. Everybody suffered because of the one man's sin, the whole nation of Israel. And praise the Lord, they didn't forget that. That's good. That was a good thing that they didn't forget that. You know, sometimes we have too short of a memory. Sometimes we are too quick to forget the consequences of decisions and choices that we make. But the Israelites didn't. This would have happened uh, quite some time ago, several years ago, probably after uh, uh, when all this stuff happened with Achan. But the Israelites had not forgot that because of the one man's sin, everybody had to suffer because of that. And so they were saying, not on our watch, not on our watch, uh, you two and a half tribes, or we're going to let you go over here and build this altar that's not to our Lord so that we can all suffer the consequences of the wrath of God. Not going to happen. Just come on over here and live with us. Change your ways. Don't, don't do this. And so they were trying to remind them of sins of Israel's past so that they would not get into uh, this, this sin, or at least what they thought was sin, against the Lord. Let's read on a little further in verse 21. Here we see the response of the, the two and a half tribes. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh answered the leaders of the Israelite clans. Yahweh is the God of gods. Yahweh is the God of gods. Now, they're making sure. They start off by saying, look, we still trust and believe that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is, is God. We, he said, they repeat that twice. They want to make sure that these nine and a half tribes know, look, we have not turned our back on the Lord. And they're going to give an explanation as to what exactly they're up to. 
He knows, and may Israel also know, do not spare us today if it was the, in rebellion our treachery against the Lord that we have built for ourselves an altar to turn away from him. May the Lord himself hold us accountable if we intended to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings on it or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it. So they're saying, look, if, 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 if indeed we were doing what you thought we were doing, if our intention was to build an altar and offer sacrifices to someone who is not Yahweh, to some other god, to some idol, then you guys are right for calling us out. We would definitely be in the wrong if we were turning from the Lord. But they were going on to say here that that is not the case. We actually did this from a specific concern, that in the future your descendants might say to our descendants, What relationship do you have with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between us and you descendants of Reuben and Gad. You have no share in the Lord, so your descendants may cause our descendants to stop fearing the Lord. Now, they, they told why they built the altar. They said, look, we're afraid because we know that God desires for us to be on this western part of the Jordan River. And even though God has allowed us to stay on the eastern side, the fear was is that down the road, the nine and a half tribes were going to look over at the two and a half and say, wait a minute, what are they doing there? That's not God's desired land for us. And so therefore, the concern was that they would be treated differently. And, and it's interesting what they say here at the end. It says, so your descendants may cause our descendants to stop fearing the Lord. And just like we talked about last week with David, they realized that it was, it was a healthy thing to fear the Lord. And they didn't want that to be the case. They didn't want there to be division where some of the Israelite tribes are going to say, you're not part of us, get away. And that group would say, well, maybe we're really not the Lord's. And, and they begin to, to, to uh, not have the faith that they should and the fear that they should in the Lord. And that is why the two and a half tribes built the altar. They built the altar so that it could be something that people could look at and know, hey, we are all together. We are all pulling together. We're all working together. We're all from the same tribe, whether we're from the west of the Jordan or east of the Jordan. And that was the reason why they made the altar. There was no ill intent there to worship false gods, but rather it was, it was a fail-safe that they were putting in to hopefully keep all of the tribes together as times went on and new generations came about. Therefore, we said, let us take action and build an altar for ourselves, but not for burnt offerings or sacrifice. Instead, it is to be a witness between us and you and between the generations after us so that we may carry out the worship of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to our descendants, you have no share in the Lord. We thought that if they said this to us or to our generation in the future, we would reply, look at the replica of the Lord's altar that our fathers made, not for burnt offering or sacrifice, but as a witness between us and you. We would never rebel against the Lord or turn away from him today by building an altar for burnt offering, grain offering, or sacrifice. Other than the altar of the Lord our God, which is in front of his tabernacle. When Phineas the priest 
And the community leaders, the heads of Israel's clans who were with him, heard what the descendants of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say. They were pleased. Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, said to the descendants of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against him. As a result, you have delivered the Israelites from the Lord's power. Then Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, and the leaders returned from the Reubenites and Gadites in the land of Gilead to the Israelites in the land of Canaan and brought back a report to them. The Israelites were pleased with the report, and they praised God. They spoke no more about going to war against them to ravage the land where the Reubenites and Gadites lived. So the Reubenites and Gadites named the altar. It is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Now, as I was reading through that story, I was, I was thinking, you know, are we ever like these nine and a half tribes are? You know, are we ever like them in the sense that we are quick to, to, to jump to a judgment about a situation and ready to go to all-out war, so to speak, with somebody because of something we may have heard that they were doing, because of some situation that we may have heard that is going on, because something we may have heard someone say or something we may have saw someone done. And in our mind, we have, we have already assumed that how dare they do that or say that, and we already write them off as being evil, and that affects our relationship with them. Sometimes as Christians, I believe that we do that. Sometimes as Christians, we are way too quick to judge, and we are way too quick to start conflict instead of trying to work it out. I think that that's why so many times you see, you see conflict among believers and in churches. It's because you see one group or one person that may said something and another group that tells somebody else, well, this is what they said and I think this is what they meant. And all the while, that might not have been at all what they meant by what they were doing or what they said. It may very well have been a misunderstanding. It may have been a misinterpretation. It may be that somebody said something that they shouldn't have said, but they didn't mean it with the ill intent in which it was taken. And so oftentimes you get people that just all out go to fuss and fight and feud and go to war. You see, but the Israelite tribes, they handled it the right way. Even though they went with the wrong intent, once they sit down and begin to talk about what was going on and they begin to, to speak their sides, they realized that they really weren't that different after all. They realized that there was one thing that brought them together and was going to keep them together, and it was the Lord. That was the common ground that they agreed upon. Even though there was initially some disagreement over what may be taking place, they ultimately realized that the same Lord drew them together, and it brought them closer together. And it should be the same for us as a church. There may be times where it seems like somebody is saying something or stirring up trouble or doing something that shouldn't be done. But before we jump the gun and get ready to go to war with them, perhaps it would be better if we were to first seek the Lord, second, to go and talk to them and try to understand what may be the problem. Because what we may find out as Christians sometimes is that there's really not as big a problem there as we make it out to be. And while that would be a proper way for us to do things, that is not the way that the enemy would like for us to do things. 
What the enemy would like for us to do is to hear something that somebody says, is to see the way somebody acts. Maybe they're having a bad day or got some bad news or are sick or aren't feeling well. And we see something they do or something they say, and we go and begin to gossip and spread rumors or, or make a mountain out of a molehill. You see, and that's what the nine and a half tribes did originally. At first, they took something that was not major at all, and in their mind and and amongst the groups as they talked to each other, they turned something that was nothing into a mountain. You see, but as Christians, we should not be making mountains out of molehills. We should be making molehills out of mountains. We should take these big disagreements and arguments and and things that that, that may indeed be serious things that we need to discuss, but we should take these mountains that may tear us apart, and we should be able as Christians to come together and work it out and end on the right note, and we can take that mountain and turn it into where it's nothing. And that's what happened with the tribes of Israel here. They took something that could have turned into an all-out war if they would have just went in guns a-blazing, so to speak. But instead, they were able to sit and they were able to work it out. And as a result of that, they were all able to get along and be on the same page. And we as Christians, especially we who are part of a body of Christ, need to have that same attitude. We need to have that same heart of we are going to come together. And we may have to, as times, call our brothers and sisters out for something that's going on. But we also need to try to restore one another. We need to try to understand that we make sure that we know what's going on and there's not a miscommunication or a misunderstanding. We don't want to run and tell everybody else what we think may be going on and gossip and make something bigger than it is. Instead, we need to take it to the Lord and we need to take it to that person. And if there is an issue, whether it's with an individual or two groups in the church, we need to try to solve that problem to avoid conflict so that we can continue to do the Lord's work. And that's exactly what we see the nation of Israel doing right here. They, they eventually come together because they know that it is the Lord that is the common ground that brings them together. And the same Lord that they serve is the same Lord that we serve. Even as Christians, though we may have arguments and disputes and difference of opinion, it should be the Lord that draws us together because Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ covers us all if we are His. And that alone should be enough for us to say, look, I forgive you, brother, or we're going to work through this, brother, so that we can be together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this good example of of your children here and how they work through a tough situation, dear Lord. Uh, we thank you for the example of the nine and a half tribes. We see how they were they were ready to they were fighting mad, dear Lord. And sometimes we get fighting mad. We hear stuff and we build stuff up in our mind to make it bigger than maybe it really is. So God, help us if we if we have conflict or see conflict or begin to assume things, dear Lord, that we don't read too much into things, God, but that we seek you and that we can come together and that we can work out our conflicts, dear Lord, so that we can be on the same page. And that page, God, is a page with you right at the top and you telling us what to do and how to serve. And God, help us to all pull in that same direction. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.